0: Hello.
1: Hi, Ken.
0: Well, how are you, buddy?
1: I'm good. Good to hear your voice.
0: Good to hear your voice. So, uh, things going well for you?
1: Yeah. It's a year of deepening all around. I think a great year for evolutionaries.
0: Oh, excellent. Yes, it does seem that there is a deepening going on in, in spite of A lot of the difficulties that the world is facing.
1: It's one of those windows. I mean people are being stimulated to contract and cling but also challenged to grow and everyone's facing lots of those choices. Right. And it's a a time for more meaningful conversations in general.
0: Right. And time for integral life practice which is what we're here to discuss um, particularly in light of the release of the book that you and I and Adam Leonard and Marco Morelli worked on called Life Practice, a 21st Century Blueprint for Physical Health, Emotional Balance, Mental Clarity, and Spiritual Awakening. We had a terrific time working on this book, and I must say I'm very happy with how it turned out. I think it really does cover the essentials of uh, sort of a starter kit for a truly integral life practice. Um, really, really turned out well, I think.
1: Well, me too. I'm, I'm also seeing now the evidence in people's lives. People who are uh, using the book and, and using it well. And yeah. Coming back for little clarifications, but in general, really, really getting. You know, I think we laid out some important principles in the. Integral Life Practice Starter Kit, which right. uh, you know has been out now for, gosh, uh, you know over three years, I think. Yeah, and uh, and it was time to treat the material with more nuance and thoroughness and depth, and um, a lot of folks have been ready for that and are are really making use of it.
0: Right. So what we're going to do is just go through um, the handbook and give kind of an overview of the material we covered and uh, summarize some of it, um, give explanations of some of it, and basically just give an indication of uh, what we covered and what an individual will be involved in uh, if and when they take up a truly integral life practice. And One of the simplest ways to begin is by just talking about what an integral life practice is. and. Uh, many, many different ways to explain it, but one of the simplest is that it's a transformative practice, a spiritual practice, a life practice that is radically inclusive and based on the most inclusive or comprehensive map of human potentials that we have available, the integral or aqual framework. And aqual, A-Q-A-L, is short for all quadrants, all levels, which itself is short for all quadrants, all levels, all lines, all states, and all types. And for those not familiar with all of those terms, we'll be getting to those as we go along. But those are five essential elements that were developed and discovered by a cross-cultural study of all of the maps of the human psyche, the human being in the world, that different cultures have come up with over the last two, 3,000 years. So what we did is we took all of the maps of human awareness, Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, Taoist, Kabbalah, all the way up to modern psychology and psychiatry and postmodern narrative therapy and so on. We put them all on the table and said, okay, what do they all have in common? and what are the absolute essential points that all of these maps of the human territory have in common where do they agree and we use each of the maps to fill in the gaps left by the others and so we came up with a composite map a composite framework that is truly integral that truly points to um, the essential dimensions In a human being. And just looking at the map and going over it and learning how to use it is a real revelation because it points to areas in the territory of you that you might not have suspected were even there. So things like worldviews, or your value structures, what stage of unfolding are you at those? Um, Quadrants, or the fact how every occasion has at least a first, second, and third-person perspective. And are you including those? What do those look like? Um, Things like multiple intelligences. And the dozen or even two dozen multiple intelligences that are present. And states of consciousness. States being um, particularly... Relevant in um, meditation training, contemplative training, uh, and types, whether it's Enneagram types or Myers-Briggs types, any of the various typologies that have been developed, as long as they have some sort of empirical research behind them. And so the integral framework puts all of those elements together and then says you can approach anything and you should approach anything. Using this more integral view, so whether you want to develop integral politics or integral medicine or integral art or integral history, integral education, make sure that you're including elements from all five or so of these fundamental categories. And then when you do that, that's where it's just a real eye-opener. That's where it becomes such a revelation to look for these components in your own awareness. And so, when it comes into an integral spiritual practice or an integral life practice, it's a practice based on having some aspect of the practice come from each of these five fundamental elements. And doing that gives us a comprehensive approach to practice that's still relatively brief. We done a lot of work to make sure that this is not overwhelming, that it can shake down to things like the one-minute modules and not be just, you know, too much material altogether, but that it is covering enough material to hit these five elements, therefore be comprehensive, and therefore Uh, touch on the essential aspects in your life that you're going to want to transform if you are working on a spiritual or generally transformative practice.
1: That's right, and there's uh, a number of different ways in which Integral Theory and Integral Practice uh, feed into and uh, enrich uh, each other. One of the things I most appreciate about Integral Theory, especially as uh, you've formulated it, is that it puts in stark relief how people are aware of only uh, a fraction of their reality and they yeah. develop into greater and greater adequacy. Adequacy, that is, to be present to and capable of awareness, care, uh, presence to uh... more and more of our reality as, right. as we grow so whether you begin with an interest in integral law or criminology or medicine or any very specific uh, and detailed application and, and many people do uh... innovators in in their fields discover that integral theory explains what they were intuitively beginning to want to do anyway. Leading thinkers in every field uh, have come to integral theory saying, gosh, this is an even clearer way of laying out what I've already begun to do. Right. But when they recognize that, then in a way that might not have been true before. They realize that they are implicated, that the researcher is uh, not uh, outside the picture looking at it from some immune and separate place, but that their own way of making meaning needs to begin to become a part of the picture. And they therefore begin to practice. They may not have any particular spiritual idealism or impulse but they begin to realize that only through their own ongoing transformative application to the inquiry that life is that they can really do their job best so it creates a practitioner really out of almost anyone uh, on the one hand and and on the other it shines a light on the matter of practice i think that that is that is beautiful But it's important to begin with the core impulse, and that impulse is often not particularly clear. People just begin to feel a natural magnetism toward awareness uh, in the same way that if you're out taking a hike and you notice, you know, gee, if I walk around this grove of trees and up around this knoll and behind that hill, I'm going to get this amazing... Panoramic vista, and really see the territory before me in a way that i haven 't yet, and you just feel pulled toward that right that uh, impulse is is there in in many people, and there are all kinds of expressions that that takes in in human life, some of it is spiritual practice, but some of it is simply, you know, trying to be a better athlete, uh peak performance at business, right. uh taking up a martial art or, or yoga or, or even a hobby. Just getting right. good at anything, scholarship. Right. Uh it's it's expressed uh in all kinds of ways, but then that impulse is something that can integrate and integrate with, in a way, all the other impulses. I may have an impulse toward scholarship and an impulse toward uh, peak performance in sports. I begin to realize, wait a second, the things that hold back my meaning-making, on the one hand, and that uh, the fear maybe that holds me back from really giving my all in my event, uh, my athletic event, have something to do with each other indeed there's a single vector here and in a way uh that that awareness uh begins to be informed by integral theory even before they understand the details of the theory
0: yeah that's a really good point and the theory itself becomes what we call psychoactive once you start to learn the theory, start to learn these essential dimensions of your own being, it's as if your psyche goes on alert for these dimensions that you previously weren't including. And so you might not have been aware of what your particular value structure was in terms of uh, what worldview you have. You might not be particularly aware of which multiple intelligence you're using predominantly and which ones you're excluding. You might not be aware of which quadrant you're coming from most of the time and which quadrants you're excluding. And once you become aware of these, then it's as if the framework itself sort of circulates through your system and puts up red flags saying, hey, did you pay attention to this? Did you include this? Did you include this? And at no point... Does integral theory tell you how to think about something? It's basically what we call content-free. Just like when we say there's first-person, second-person, and third-person perspectives, first person is the person speaking, second person is the person being spoken to, and third person is the person or thing being spoken about. When we say that every occasion has those three perspectives, it doesn't say what you're supposed to think with those perspectives. It does say, if you want a comprehensive view of the situation, make sure you include those three, and the same with the other elements. So it's not pushy, it's not um, authoritarian, it does not tell you how to think or what to think um, or govern in any sort of authoritarian fashion what you're supposed to see or do or be, but it does say. Uh, according to cross-cultural study, according to the world's greatest traditions, religions, all the way up to modern research, you have these dimensions present. And so if you're looking for a fullness in your own being, if you're looking for a uh, bringing the best that you can be to any particular situation, then you're going to want to touch bases with all of these elements. And fill them in however you like, but make sure you fill them in. Make sure you touch bases with them. And then you are likely to find that the thing that's holding you back in sports is the thing that's holding you back in in scholarship.
1: Right. And and, and it's even more embracing than the the word include might be more narrowly interpreted to say that you've got to speak to it on every occasion yeah that's not what integral theory is essentially asserting it's not like every single discussion of anything has to be a recitation of all these distinctions. yeah it's that it must be informed by the perspectives uh... that arise from each of these perspectives and notice these different dimensions of being and then it allows utter rhetorical freedom to speak to a a listening that is primarily focused in one of the perspectives, simply in a way that implicitly demonstrates an awareness of the others.
0: Right. right, And that is a really important point and um, in itself puts an end to so many either or arguments that are out there. Um, you pick up Consciousness Studies today, and you'll, you'll find in the leading academic journals um, a raging argument over which perspective, first person or third person, is the one real true perspective for approaching consciousness. Should it be approached in an objective scientific way, focusing on changes in brain chemistry and pattern? Patterns of brainwave activity, all in an objective, scientific, third-person, dissociated, distancing way, or should it be approached in a first-person, introspective, awareness fashion, giving direct experience, radical experience, the foundational truth to consciousness studies? And our answer is uh, yes, both. Both of them are equal potential equal uh important in terms of discussing and laying out this thing that we call consciousness you can't reduce one to the other you can't get rid of one you can't make one more primary and so that's just a simple example of um basically coming at an issue and being awkwardly integrally informed and just being aware that these four fundamental perspectives, are necessary for every occasion, stops this fruitless argument about which one is ultimately real. Um, The argument's been going on long enough that it should tell us two things. One, neither side can win, and two, because both sides are important. And anything less than that, any arguing that just first-person perspective is real or just third-person perspective is real, gets us nowhere. And it's essentially the same thing we find when we look at spiritual practice, when we look at education, when we look at politics, when we look at art, when we look at history. All of these elements are essentially important. So having that in mind puts an end to a lot of the arguments based on partiality and fragmentation and brokenness. That these other approaches have and make no mistake these other approaches are broken they are not inclusive they don't cover all the bases and so doing one's practice based on a broken map of the human condition is not exactly a straightforward path to enlightenment
1: well exactly that that was beautiful Ken that really calls to mind two of my favorite summaries of the nature of integral one is the simplest summary is, is relates directly to what you uh, put forward, either or thinking as opposed to both and thinking. Yeah. And then uh, with a little more nuance, every perspective is both true and partial. Right. And we sometimes add, uh, including my own. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and the wisdom of that is expressed in the fact that these broken approaches can drill down and get to certain implications of a given perspective with great rigor. And right. so we're students of them, even though we may not be contained by their myopia. Right. So the beauty of integral is that it liberates our access to or appreciation of all of these partial perspectives even more fully Right, and uh, it lets us stand free of the brokenness but it doesn't prevent us from joining in and being informed by the worthwhile dialogue that might take place in any of these true but partial uh, dimensions of inquiry
0: Uh, Yes, I think that's one of the reasons that the integral approach has caught on, not just for everyday things like um, learning to be involved in relationships in a more authentic or straightforward way um, or being involved in work or being just even in play, Um, but in the academic world where this either-or kind of thinking Particularly in its latest guise under postmodernism, has just really devastated and truly, in the real sense, deconstructed most approaches to um, human reality and used just these um, broken models. And if they've done anything, they might have deconstructed the broken models but put nothing in their place. And so, having something that appreciates the partial truths. Of these various approaches, the partial truths of both a third-person approach to consciousness and the partial truths of both a first-person approach to human consciousness, seeing the importance of both of those and being able to say both and to them in a very coherent way. Um, integral theory is not hard, but it is um, coherent, and you can go into it, as much as you like, you sort of get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. But also, its initial um, and its simplest version is very, very simple and very straightforward, and we're going to be going over, over that today. Um, but in any event, it is indeed a switch from either-or thinking to both-and thinking. And then the practices that a both-and orientation to the world use. Uh, turn out to be quite different in the long run from approaches that are just either or. And then the brokenness of the map reproduces itself in the brokenness of your practice.
1: And the partial nature of the realizations that emerge.
0: Right. Exactly. So we have some kind of uh, catchphrases that the book uses to summarize interlife life practice It's the and I'm reading these it's the ultimate in cross-training Working synergistically on body mind and spirit in self culture and nature It's modular Allowing you to mix and match practices in specific areas or modules It's scalable adjusting to however much or little time you have down to the one-minute modules, customizable to your individual lifestyle. You design a program that works for you and adapt it on an as-needed basis, distilled, boiling down the essences of traditional practices without the cultural or religious baggage to provide a highly concentrated and effective form of practice for post postmodern life. And finally, integral, based on aqual technology and all quadrants, all levels framework for mapping the many capacities inherent in human language and human beings. And so that's kind of our uh, summary way of talking about what integral life practice itself does. And we'll be kind of going through uh, each of those uh, as well.
1: I'm glad you surfaced those basic, uh, you know, key things that need to be pointed out. And those are all valuable when someone might consider, well, do I want to take up an integral life practice?
0: Right.
1: It's, it's important to also notice that an integral life practice is not necessarily something that ought to be viewed as an alternative to uh, other approaches to practice. It's actually just a more complete, inclusive, grounded, effective, efficient way of doing whatever practice you're already doing. Right. You can remain a... Christian contemplative or a Buddhist meditator or a uh, peak performer in business who's really getting a lot from, say, uh, your dear friend Tony Robbins and not abandon uh, the paths that are meaningful and valuable to you in any way but simply approach them in a way that has more awareness. And the depth of what you can get from the ILP model has several levels. You know, one important level was, I think, well represented in the starter kit and in the basic idea of the modules and the cross-training principles and the uh, customization and the scaling so that it can be so highly efficient. But it gets deeper than that. And you begin to recognize that there's a a cultivation of two kinds of adequacy, uh, that there's a Uh, a friendliness and appreciation, but not a a clench around every type of human excellence, an opportunity to cultivate all of it, but not to idealize any of it, so that you're able to be the type of person that you are in a free way. There are many ways that the ILP perspective shines lights on every matter of practice that go beyond the... uh, In other words, even in the integral community, I think people who are familiar with uh, the basics of ILP still have more to learn from the ILP framing. Uh, It it goes quite deep, and in the book, I think we finally take it to a place that that offers a whole different level of lessons and opportunities.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. It's sort of um, certainly taking it to the next step of um, detail in terms of um, instruction and theoretical components and practices that individuals can do. The point you bring up is really important, which is that in most cases, it's, it's not that when people take up integral life practice that they're starting from scratch, that they have simply no practice in their life that isn't, conducive to an integral life practice or can't be part of it Um, because and precisely because integral life practice is touching all of these elements of our lives so it's touching body mind spirit self culture nature waking dreaming deep sleep uh, multiple intelligences first second third person perspective virtually everybody is doing something with one of those elements to work on it or to try to achieve excellence in it or try to transform it or try to grow and and evolve through it, whether they're doing that in their job, in their work, in their relationships with their children, um, or just um, playing. And so it's more a matter of looking at the framework itself, looking at the modules that we present, and then saying, okay, oh, look, I'm already doing something in this module i happen to be jogging each morning and so that works as part of a physical gross module so i can check that one off um oh i'm already doing a dream journal so that works for shadow work i can check that off but i'm not working on meditation or i really don't have a subtle body practice or etc you can go through the rest of the modules and find out what you need to add to the stuff you're already doing and so in most cases people are already doing something that will be part of their integral life practices they uh, craft it and it's one of the things that makes integral life practice so adaptable so customizable is that in each of these modules Maybe we have a, we have modules for uh, the body, modules for mind, modules for spirit, for shadow, for relationships, for work, etc. In each of these modules, there's a dozen or more, and literally hundreds, of practices that you can do in that module. And so all you are required to do is pick at least one and practice then all of them concurrently and because of the um, extraordinary number of practices that can be found in each of the modules it's an extremely adaptable system because there's either something you're already doing or something that you can easily find to fill in these modules and so it's not a rigid system that you have to do this type of meditation for this many minutes a day um, and you have to do this type of uh, stretching exercises for this many minutes, this many times each week. It's much, much more fluid than that. And yet without losing its strength or its capacity to benefit from cross-training, and cross-training is one of the important variables that an integral practice brings which is just the theory that and the fact in some cases we have evidence for this that if you practice two practices simultaneously both of them will achieve more rapidly than if you do either one alone and so if you for example give people that are doing meditation and you divide them into two groups, one that's doing meditation and one that's doing meditation plus weightlifting, actual studies show that very, very quickly the individuals doing weightlifting plus meditation will, according to the teachers themselves, show a greater advance in meditation capacities. So your meditation intelligence, if you will, is increasing simply by combining it with another practice that's not necessarily related to, to meditation, in this, case, in this case weightlifting. So we have a cross-training principle that um, accelerates the effectiveness of all of the modules by practicing them simultaneously.
1: That's uh, a huge core Insight on which ILP is built, this idea of integral cross training, and it uh, can be explored you know on many, many levels, even within some of the modules, we identify some key distinctions. people who right. have some essential friendliness toward first, second and third person forms of spirituality, I think grow more quickly in the one that may be their primary emphasis than others doing that practice who don't. right? Uh, people who are doing physical, gross physical exercises that are only uh, strength or aerobic or neuromuscular conditioning will be less fit than those who uh, at least occasionally train in the others. Uh, we make a lot of core distinctions that are uh, profoundly useful from this perspective. Of cross-training they're even within the modules but especially uh, across them and additionally the flexibility of the modular approach in a sense creates an inquiry oh right I've been jogging every morning that was really all I could handle in terms of physical exercise but now I realize this is a dimension of my being that I'm exercising and practicing with right and now I have an inquiry about what is it that I want to do maybe one morning a week, instead of jogging, I'm going to do a yoga class. Maybe one morning a week, instead of jogging, I'm going to lift weights. Maybe two mornings a week, you know. And and the... Inquiry is raised simply by the framing that ILP brings. And that's why there's virtually no one who's even already a pretty sophisticated and maybe very experienced practitioner, perhaps for decades, who can't benefit from aspects of what comes to light using this integral framing of the right. matter.
0: matter. Right. And we found that to be the case because there's no tradition, East or West, that today... Is fully integral so there were many traditions that at their time uh, attempted to be integral and and many succeeded quite well Um, you think of Plotinus for example as being a very integral thinker and and practice Um, but that was for you know 1,500 years ago we've learned so many more things about the mind about being in the world about the psyche and so it's um, necessary that the integral uh, maps and models kind of be redone each generation, kind of be updated, and, of course, standing on the shoulders of giants. It goes without saying. And many of our core fundamental ideas, concepts, and practices go back 2,000 years. If something works, we keep it. Um, But the traditions themselves that were taking this practice or concept from have not themselves uh continued to grow or evolve or if they have and in some cases they have they haven't included material from other disciplines and material that turns out to be um really really important so there are a number of crucially important points about the psychodynamic unconscious the personal unconscious the shadow in men and women that is really a product of the last 300 years of modern Western psychology and developmental psychology and depth psychology. And although the contemplative traditions deal to some degree with the shadow and the personal unconscious, they just don't cover it in the same kind of detail or they don't have the same kind of techniques available that modern Western depth psychology is brought to the table. And so it's um, simply the case that um, you are almost certain to pick up something to add or complement in your basic spiritual practice, no matter how good you are with any particular tradition, no matter if you're a complete master of the Christian contemplative tradition, you're going to find things out. That can be added with an integral framework Um, just because the integral framework intentionally has kept up to date with other disciplines uh, whereas the Christian uh, framework uh, has not and so it's a it's a way to both honor your tradition we're not asking you to give any of it up Uh, you continue to practice that just as as much as you want but we will say look if you have you thought about this and this and this are you doing something from your tradition that covers these elements and if not, well, let's let's talk about those. And just by adding them to your practice, you can bring your practice up to integral standards very, very quickly.
1: And even shine a meta perspective on the whole matter that liberates the frame in which it's engaged in a way that's a critical critical uh, improvement on the right. whole matter. Right. Now. You know, it's interesting to look perhaps at a couple of the more integral practices that have arisen at different times in history. And I, I can think of one ancient, uh, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and all the different yogas seem like they represent a kind of integral practice viewed from a certain perspective. And in their time, they were absolutely a uh, profound uh, integral practice for its time. Right. Uh, but there are a number of things that we can see, a kind of otherworldly bias, uh, uh, a grounding in all kinds of medical physical presuppositions, a hostility to the insights of modernity and post-modernity that limit it if it's not framed in an integral context. But framed in an integral context, uh, an integral practitioner can choose to make yoga his path and pretty much do those Yogas, Even Correct. as they were given, but in a more enlightened frame that also has some other elements.
0: Exactly. Uh, exactly.
1: The, same, the same could be said for psychosynthesis, which was an attempt to have an integral practice that's more recent. Right. And in many ways, uh, with a Jungian orientation fo- foundationally, uh, the world of psychosynthesis was a, a big gain, and it uh, provided... Uh, inner work with depth that had both psychological and spiritual dimensions in a way that was probably more integrated than anything that had happened, right. uh, been available up right. until that time. Right. But it didn't see the full integration of the being, even though it has somatic elements. The uh, Third-person perspectives were almost uh, systematically excluded, and the, right. the, the the opportunity for objective verification and uh, and even uh, for the uh, purpose of practice to integrate uh, the inner impulses toward uh, awareness and freedom and uh, 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 self-actualization in an inner dimension weren't really integrated with effective excellence in objective terms. Right. And in, in in the expression of that practice, right. at least not fully. So they can be and should be appreciated and celebrated from from this perspective, but used in the most intelligent way that's possible today. So somebody can still do psychosynthesis as a part of an integral life practice. Exactly. They'll simply bring a broader perspective and some elements that wouldn't already have been provided exactly. in that context.
0: Exactly. And um speaking in terms of of these practices from the past that have been transformations um, working on individuals, that right there is another significant difference. Um, The integral theory itself maintains that these four quadrants, these four dimensions or four perspectives that every occasion has are the view, the perspective from the inside and the outside of the individual and the collective. So those give us the four quadrants. Those give us the inside view of an individual. In other words, what happens on my interior, my psychological interior, and what I can see and feel and think as I introspect. And then there's the exterior view of the individual. And the exterior view means looking at the individual in an objective scientific fashion. So it's looking at the same individual, but now it's looking at the organism in an objective way. So instead of the mind, we have the brain. And instead of interior feelings and thoughts and impulses, we have neurosynaptic Changes, we have neurotransmitters, and we have the limbic system and the neocortex and all of the organ systems in the body, and so on. And so that's the inside and the outside of the individual. And one is using a first person perspective, and the other is using a third person perspective. One is therefore referred to often with the pronoun I, and the other is usually referred to with, with the pronoun it. And, but that's just the individuals because the individuals are always part of a collective. And there's the inside and outside of the collective to which every individual belongs at its different levels. And so anytime there's a group, a family, a tribe or nation, looking at that group from the inside gives us its value structure and its motivations and its uh, culture and the ideas and values that it holds up as something to be valued and sought after and its whole mode of ethics. And then if we look at that group from the outside, then we see more the objective third-person plural aspects of it. We see its techno-economic modes of production, whether it's horticultural or agrarian or industrial. Um, And we see its forms of architecture and law, We see its artifacts and their exchanges um, and so on. And those are referred to by the third person plural pronouns like its, whereas the inside of the group is referred to by a pronoun like we and you. So the essence of the uh, four quadrants Which is, um, I, we, it, and its. And sometimes those are shortened to just the, the big three by combining the two exterior quadrants, um, to just an objective it. Um, but that, the I, we, and its is the same as the good, the true, and the beautiful. It's the same as Buddha, Sangha, Dharma. Uh, it shows up in many, many different uh, thought systems around the world, which indeed is one of the reasons that, that the four quadrants are included as one of these five essential elements. But the important point is that the individual is never separate from a community, it's never separate from a collective. That being is always being in the world. And so, uh, integral life practice is not going to be just a practice. For an individual, it's going to be practices for individuals plus community plus collective uh, orientations and an understanding and at a minimum, an understanding of how your being is related to the collectives of which you are a member and how these collectives profoundly have an impact on your values and your motivations and your needs and desires. And so working With an integral life practice is going to be working with relationships, working with ethics, working with work itself and what we do with the starter orientation, what we refer to as the uh, ILP starter kit, is we work with the individual quadrants first and that's what we'll be doing today and the individual quadrants include a lot of things. Including multiple intelligences and psychograph and uh, multiple states of consciousness and so on, but we group those into the relatively easy to understand modules of body, mind, spirit, and shadow. <clears throat> shadow being, of course, the extremely important work on the psychodynamic unconscious. And but that's just the um, preliminary opening introductory steps and we go on to point out that in addition to body mind spirit and shadow there are other modules that are in a sense just as important but we recommend you get grounded in the individual modules first and then expand into the collective modules but in addition to body mind spirit and shadow um, additional important modules include uh, integral ethics, integral sexual yoga, work, uh, transmuting emotions, integral parenting, integral relationships, integral communication. And uh, these do something that many, indeed most of the traditions didn't do, and that is to make relationship itself an integral part of transformation, an integral part of life, an integral part of what you are taking into account what you are studying, what you're learning about, and what you're working on. So that's one of the crucial aspects to an integral life practice uh, itself.
1: Yeah, this is uh, hard to emphasize enough, in fact. Uh, everything beyond the core modules is, to some degree, uh, a relational matter in which our contribution to the larger world finds expression. Right. And the reasons that people begin a practice, usually people feel an impulse toward self-actualization, to be all I can be. Right. But they also feel a impulse toward making a positive difference, uh, being a, a a good person who contributes something to others and to the right. world. Right. And uh, one of the cores of what I think... Uh, becomes explicit with an integral life practice is that these two impulses are uh, ultimately not different and that they're not fulfilled independently of each other. If I yeah. really self-actualize, I contribute something. Right. And if I really make some difference, if I want to make a difference, I have to transform and, and, and self-actualize in order to do it. Uh, so these this uh, you know, many people with at least world-centric values, look at the problems of the larger world, and they want to make a difference. And then they begin to realize that uh, the kind of thinking that created these problems won't create its solutions, and that they themselves need to develop beyond the kind of thinking with which they're beginning and so they begin to practice in order to make a contribution. Well this doing one in order to do the other dissolves really ultimately in the integral perspective. Integral practice is a frame in which the total uh, matter uh, finally expresses itself in in a singleness. We do do what we can to harmonize and maybe train the vehicle through these body, mind, spirit, and shadow practices, right. and some other individual practices, but we we do that in a way that doesn't separate the two. We, an integral life practitioner is not just trying to be the coolest guy in the world just for his own sake or her own sake, that there's a, 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 a refinement of the vehicle, and a bringing of it to bear in service that are are really ultimately inseparable. And this bridges to the other way in which ILP makes a contribution in the collective domain, which is that it's a languaging of the universal matter of practice that gives common ground to the agnostic peak performer, the devout uh, Zen monk, and... The Jesuit, right they can be Sangha together,, right. and in our time there's a growing awareness that we need a basis for spiritual fellowship and uh service a mutual mutually allied service of people who are uh, to some degree, awakening in one way or another, who are at least, let's say, among the more mature people on the planet. Right. We need, we need to, to come together to some degree, and we need languages that are post-metaphysical so that our conversation doesn't become an argument about the primacy of the metaphysics of one tradition over another right. or, or some compromise where two or three of them marginalize a fourth or fifth. Right, And we are naturally evolving that now it's it's true that there are others uh... before us who tried to have a neutral languaging of the matter of growth that was to some degree independent of traditions i think uh... tony robbins has tried to do that in certain ways dan millman has tried to do that in certain ways there's there's all kinds of people who've made attempts but none of it's been based on a systematic understanding that uh... really has a sound and and uh... rigorous uh, philosophical foundation uh, to the degree that uh, is now present with integral life practice.
0: And I think that's a really important point and it's something that people that practice and use an integral framework uh, really appreciate and it's it's not just in being able to have a devout Zen practitioner and a devout agnostic um, peak performer have ways to agree with each other and a language that they they both find generally acceptable and and agreeable. It's that in any of the disciplines, there is finally a way to have a cross-disciplinary talk that makes sense. We have people in integral business, for example, that can just immediately talk with people in integral art and poetry and have a common language that they both understand, they both agree on, and they both know what it means. And so it's a way that somebody who's working in business and somebody who's working in poetry can actually sit and have a fascinating conversation about their commonalities and the things they have in general and what they're doing with their lives that makes sense to both of them. And doesn't, you know, poo-poo one or the other, or doesn't um, try to reduce all language to the language of just one. And so that's been, I think, precisely because it's a product of a cross-cultural search that it's been able to reach across cultures and across disciplines and across human beings to work with these common patterns, patterns that unite, these common patterns, patterns that all human beings have access to and potentials that all human beings have access to. And that's been one of the things that has uh, meant so much, I think, to so many people using an integral approach. It dramatically cuts down on the feeling of alienation and expands upon the feeling of connection. And I think that's, that's really one of the important um, aspects. I think, I think bringing that up is a really good idea.